Hey everyone, welcome to the Back Pocket Podcast, the only podcast fully backed 100% by Fox Footy. My name is Alistair and I am your host and I'm joined today by co-host over here. Uh, Jack Turner, uh, lifelong tragic of football uh, and lover of defenders, mostly because I was not talented enough to play anywhere else. You played forward pocket occasionally. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and kicked <laughs> goals I did not deserve. <laughs> um, so, uh, we're here today to talk about defenders, mostly. Um, Jack, if you want to give us a rundown of what we're actually here to do. Look, the, the premise of the podcast is that defenders have long been maligned uh, for Brownlow votes, for club best and fairest, in, at some clubs, I think some are pretty good at it, but... They just don't get the acclaim that the forwards get. There's a medal for forwards. There's a medal for effectively midfielders, let's be honest, about the Brownlow. Brownlow. Very rare a defender wins a Norm Smith despite winning games for teams. And uh, we're just trying to give them some of the credit they deserve. I think it's uh, long overdue. Yeah, nothing gets me uh, you know, more amped up on uh, you know, Friday night watching the footy than when there's a massive spoil or just a good defensive effort. It's, uh, it's kind of the backbone pardon the pun, of footy, and yeah, it needs the recognition. Yeah, I think like the, the most defining moment of that is you were sitting there as a Carlton fan watching Nathan Broad drop one of the best spoils <laughs> of the weekend on Silvani and stopping him from probably kicking a goal that would have put you in front and genuinely being excited about the spoil. Like, Yeah, no, it was a good spoil. Um, Nathan Broad, though. Uh, so rolling into things, we might change the format in future, but mm. this gives us kind of a platform to go off. Uh, we are going to give votes. We're going to have a Defenders Award at the end of the year, which will probably be the least cared about award, but possibly the only Defenders Award. So that's a combo there too. Um, so I'll let you start with your votes because you did yours first. Oh, I figured we were going to do uh, like a one-point vote, then two-point vote, go back and forth. I think that works a little bit better. All right. More yeah. suspense. So, so last now. lowest first? Yes. And right. to start it off, I'm giving my one-point vote to Heath Chapman, simply for that spoil. He played a decent game, um, but I don't think you'll find a better spoil this year um, as the whole season goes all, on. Or, like, ever. Like, I, I, I think... <laughs> I know Justin Longmuir tried to, like, track back on his comments immediately after saying it's the best spoil he's ever seen, but I can't think of a time where a player has had that peace of mind on, like, what, a foot out from the goal line to knock the ball back into play, collect it, and, like, cause enough of the game to go by that the game ended and you win yeah it was i i thought it had gone through for the point so did the commentators um getting that wrong wrong as usual but uh yeah it was it was really exciting i can't remember a spoil that just made me like jump out of my seat like that like i've seen spoils that have gone like 30 meters 40 meters long and you think that's a good spoil but this one was like game changing yeah, they would have. They, it would have been a draw, and it would have been a oh, really sad result and that's for it, all. Right, like never have I seen a spoil the most talked about thing in football for the three or four days following. That that's just an awesome effort. I think it's so funny that you can have a man. Like, he played on Rochelle, who played a phenomenal game, had a huge second half, and brought Adelaide back into it. But all is forgiven for the goals Rochelle kicked on him because he literally saved the game for his yeah, team. And they won, so it doesn't yeah, matter so if you're it, it's all five on you. Yeah, no, completely. <laughs> Um, I had Chapman in my like special mentions okay. um, for players who I thought like I, I didn't give a vote but definitely played a really good game. So that's your. I had Tom Atkins in there. I had Hayden Young for Frio in there as well. Mm. Um, Dacos and Houston. I wanted to mention in there because they did play off the halfback most of their possessions in the yeah. midfield. Yeah, I wouldn't count those. Um, and Adam Saad, I thought gave just phenomenal run. So it didn't make it into my votes, but I just thought it was very very good. Um, but my one vote goes to just a, a backman purist vote. 
um, to Lockie Jones. Eight spoils in a game is incredible. I think he's like three or four in front of the next best in the comp. Yeah, it's a lot of spoils, and it's those one percenters that really matter. It's just, obviously, they didn't get up on the weekend, but... And in such a defence-heavy game, um, like Marcus Adams did a phenomenal job for Brisbane as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a really good game from defenders for those teams, except for any time the ball got near Joe Danaher, <laughs> who would either kick a goal or do something horrendously dumb, like handball so it off on the siren. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Jones, special mention. Absolutely, my one vote. Yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, so I guess that's me again. I'll go with my number two. Uh, and I apologise if I mispronounced the name because I'm terrible. Uh, Changwok Giath. Oh, yes. Is that how you pronounce Played it? Played a great game. CJ, I'm just going to go with. Um, yeah, great game. Um, a lot of runoff halfback, a lot of good dis- defensive efforts. Um, it wasn't the best balanced performance, which I will discuss in my next vote. Um, but yeah, I think the the run and defensive chop out that he gives Hawthorne was huge for their win. Hawthorne didn't play the best game, um, and it was good to see Sicily back, who I'll give a special mention for just being able to play. Um, but yeah, CJ was immense in their efforts. Yeah, he, he played a really, really good game. Um, I, I think it, it was amazing to see that he looked like he'd hardly missed. Like he, he missed mm-hmm. what, half of last year through injury, and they lost so much run off that. And he came back round one like he'd just been playing through the whole summer. Um, my two votes was partially special mention, partially romance, uh, but also because he played a phenomenal game, and that was to Doherty. Um, paired with Saad, so he kind of took that spot. I think Saad would have got the votes if Doherty hadn't kicked that miraculous goal that almost made me cry. Um, <laughs> like, you don't almost see many many moments in a game of football where there's just that much raw emotion involved, like what everyone knows about the last few years he's had. To come back, play a brilliant like game rebounding off the back, kick a goal that was the last goal in a momentum flow, just awesome. Like that, that's a two-voter. Yeah, it's rough to give votes to defenders for kicking goals, but it's a big one, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's kind of the moment of the round, so you can't really ignore it. And he played really well off halfback and in the midfield. Lots of really good kicks, decision-making. I thought he had a great game. Um, awkwardly, you gave him a special mention, but my three votes goes to Adam Saad um, for very similar reasons to CJ, except for the fact that the defense-to-attack the, the defense to attack balance that he found in this game was pretty much perfect. Um Barely a wasted possession. I think possession he was at 100%. There. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was ridiculous. Um, getting out of tackles, tackling, like everything he did was to his highest point. Um, none of the letdowns that we'd see last year occasionally. And he, you could see last year he was frustrated himself and it was good to see him get out first game and just... He looked it. like what he threatened to be, I think, yeah. last year. Like everyone watched his preseason and thought this is his year. And then I think he had an ankle injury early and it just kind of marred him all season. And yeah. we see that. I think there's like this... Pe- Clubs are so uh, hesitant to talk about players' injuries because they don't want to expose the fact they're playing injured players. But yes. the next year, they'll so often be like, obviously, they played through injury last, last year. Last year, they had a niggle or whatever. So it's, uh, it's good to see. Um, I think last year, I think it was during the Port Adelaide game where they kicked like a ridiculous amount of goals in a row. He had a moment where he lost himself and got really angry on field, and that's something throughout his whole career I've never seen. Um, I think he was frustrated at himself in the situation. I'm glad that's turned around for him because it turned out a really good effort this weekend. Well, my three votes went to um, someone I did mention earlier was Marcus Adams, mm-hmm. who I think literally without Brisbane wouldn't have been able to get back into that game. Yep. I think without his defence in the first half, uh, Port overran them. I think they would have been five or six goals up, which in a game that low scoring would have been no way back. Um, but he was just there every single time. Harris Andrews had a quiet night like for himself, and I think Marcus Adams just filled that hole ridiculously well. And he's one of those players, I think, for them that if he stays fit, 
this year, um, he'll be a huge reason that they can go further than they have in the last few. Like that, that that extra step they need to take it goes a long way, doesn't it? Because I remember him during obviously um, his time in the Bulldogs, and he was a rock, uh, and he's not been able to have that consistency at yeah. um, at Brisbane. And I think that's a blind spot for me. I didn't watch that game because it was it was not a good game. It was a bit um, um, dour, and I know I like defensive efforts, but it was it was it was a struggle. So um, he's probably someone that slipped through the cracks. I think especially after watching like the first four games of the round, which yeah. even the St Kilda Collingwood game, which didn't have the class the other ones did, was still a high octane like fast paced game. This is very exciting. And then the next one was just a, a dour contest. Like it felt like a, a winter rainy final. Yeah, I feel like I'd reached my football quota for the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so straight into four, and this is rough because I'm giving it to uh, a team that did end up going on to lose, but I'm giving my four points to Barras, not just for the goal, because obviously oh. that was a special moment. Um, but I think Tom Barras is really underrated as a defender. Um, he does his job well uh, and doesn't really complain or get iffy about anything. You see McGovern obviously being a little emotional on field, Brash just gets it done. I Like the fact that he's at 100 games, I didn't even realise until he was playing it. Yeah, I, still, I, I still feel like he only started a season or two ago. When I saw the 100 come up, I was like, Gat? for Brass? Yeah, okay, he no worries. Like a, a genuinely, but he's a you know, premiership defender. Yeah, exactly. Did amazing things that day as well. Like, yeah. Um, just a genuine all-round, all-round player. I guess that's the point of this award, just uh, giving some light to the undervalued or underappreciated players like Barras who get their job done. They aren't the, the prettiest of footballer. Like they're not making highlights reels, except he did this week. Did, <laughs> but yeah, I thought he had a great game. Yeah. So to go the complete opposite direction of that and go into a player who is talked about all the time and is a highlights player, James Sicily got my four. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought his game was ridiculous. I think that the, the old, it was, it was funny you're watching a game that's two developing teams and the reason Hawthorne won was because of the experienced players and the old heads. Yeah. Um, but I just thought Sicily was phenomenal. Like, there was nothing getting past him. I think he's more valuable to them up forward if they can get him because he's more around the ball, but they just don't have the defenders to put there for him. Um, but he showed why he's so valuable in defence. His marking and his reading of the play is, is something you can't teach to a footballer. Um, and I thought that that was a huge reason why the North, I think they're inside 50s for a long time, were very close to even, especially when North hit the front. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they just couldn't convert from the chances they had, and that'll probably be something that comes with time. Yeah, but, um, yeah they had a lot of tools up there, and Sicily's pretty undersized to be a key defender and just did an amazing job. Yeah, I, I think it is hard because obviously, obviously Sicily and CJ play a pretty similar role. CJ gives probably a bit more run, but I feel like Sicily's a little bit more solid as a defender in general. Um Sicily up forward, I feel like, is such a waste from what he could create down back. But I guess that's bias. That's why we're on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. But... <laughs> it's, it's one I... of those ones where you'd love to have three of him, I yeah, think. absolutely. Like, yeah, you'd want to have one that stays down back. You'd have one that runs off back and one yeah. that is up forward. Yeah, for can't. sure. So I can definitely see why you'd get a four-voter from you. All right, the, the drum roll, fifth, fifth vote. Yeah, it's a pretty obvious one. Um, anyone who watched all the games this week... I feel like we don't have to do a two-part on this, I think. It's, it's Phil Davis, five votes. Absolutely. From both of us. For, <laughs> for a day, we lead. <laughs> like, Buddy Franklin goes in. This is a man who, anytime there's an occasion, like, he, he plays his 300th game, he kicks a bag, things like that. You come into a game like this, everyone's expecting him to maybe not make the milestone, but get close. Do you watch the, co- like the coaches and um, captains' votes? They're all saying yeah, round one. Yeah, round one. All the media were talking about it round one. And Phil Davis just blanketed him. Not only did he only kick one goal, 
he barely touched. I think he had eight touches yeah. for the game. No influence on the match. Like his goal was just one that if he wasn't there, someone else would have kicked it. One of the all-time performances, and, and Phil Davis falls into this category that I put Stephen May in a few years ago, which is if Phil Davis played for a Victorian team, he would be All-Australian. He'd be like a 10-time like, yeah, All-Australian Absolutely. Yeah. And as soon as Stephen May moved down and had one injury for a year, playing very similar to football to what he did, but in a worse team, obviously, at the Gold yeah. Coast, he's All-Australian straight away and was not even in doubt. Mm. Um, Phil Davis has been playing, when he's not injured, this kind of football for five, six years uh, it's just good to see that most people agreed that that performance was phenomenal. Yeah, especially considering last year there were a lot of people saying that Phil Davis was done. Um, and like he had an injury-riddled season was last year where they played him up forward a bit and it didn't quite work out during finals maybe. It was really remember. awkward when he kicked that goal and I was so excited for him. But uh, Yeah, definitely good. But, How about um, Haynes up forward too? They did some weird stuff. Yeah, GWS. Another bloke who's one of the best backmen in the comp. Yeah. Don't put him up forward. No. GWS do some strange things with their positioning. I'm not a coach, so I'm not going to question it too much. But, um, yeah, Phil Davis easily put in the best defensive effort of anyone this weekend. Obviously, again, me giving top votes to a player in a side that lost. So Yeah, it's, it's, it's very funny. I think... Um, you, look at, you, argue, you do often get better performances from defenders in either close games or losses. Yeah. I think, um, obviously, as a Geelong fan, I was talking about Tom Stewart's game. And by the time Essendon started scoring it in the ball inside 50... Everyone has stopped defending because it's a 32-degree day at the MCG. Yeah. And he didn't have that intercept game going, but it's hard to have that game going in a big win. Um, whereas you look at those performances from players that try and carry their team across the line, especially if you see Sydney scoring that many points in a game, you assume Buddy's kick six. Yeah. Um, and he, he had one. Parker kicked five, was which Parker. was outrageous. Was like, five. incredible. I don't know who was on him. We won't... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no backman slander. But... Um, yeah, for, for them to have that many inside 50s, be that effective, and Buddy only kick one goal, is a, just a ridiculous effort. Yeah, no, it was definitely... It was something special. <laughs> That's what I'll say. And hopefully, you know, Phil Davis can keep it up all season because he's a player I really like, um, and it would be nice to see him continue this form. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's one of those ones where... It's almost a shame he was named captain so early, I think, for his career and development. Like, we might have seen more good Phil Davis footy for longer. Had he not come into that side so young, from he was from Adelaide, Adelaide originally, yeah. and made captain because he was this exciting prospect, but I think that quelled him a bit for a while, and then he followed up with injury because he'd be pushed. Correct me on this if you want, but be near on thirty, I think Phil Davis now, um, and just again, if he plays like that all year, just about an Australian lock, I think. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how the media feels about that one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, another, another one I thought played a really, really good game was McDonald from North. Um, we're going to keep talking about players yes, and losses. of course, um, yeah. Just a, both grunt and disposal effort. Yeah, it was probably one of his best games I've seen him play. Um, and now that you mention it, it's definitely one that I've overlooked and probably could have squeezed in for a vote. But um, yeah, definitely underrated uh, performance from McDonald. Luke McDonald. Luke right? McDonald. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, hopefully as this goes on, we'll have more exciting weeks for defenders. Like last week was a lot of forwards kicked a lot of bags. Defenders didn't get much of the yeah. footy. Um, we saw I think we had like four or five players kick five or more. Yeah, and then it, several kick four. You don't often um, see a round one with multiple bags of four and five being kicked. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't always by key forwards either. I know I think Hawkins kicked four. Yeah, Hawkins, Hawkins kicked four. Stengel kicked four on on club debut. And yeah, stuff like that. But. And that I don't want to blame on Essendon's defenders, of which they don't really have any. I think that's a huge a makeshift, issue it? for them. But um, there's no stopping the way that ball was moving in there. Um, but 
a highlight for me this week, and not even going in the votes, but one who I think is is probably the the best rising star chance of a defender was Gibkiss for Richmond. I he think in a, right. in a team that really struggled, yeah. um, he showed some really good composure. Um, you know, on, on that back pocket, back flank area. I think they're experimenting with Bolter up forward, which I don't really like. I think he's made a name for himself down back. Um, but I think uh, I think Bolter is really their future general down back. Um, and obviously they've got Tarrant in at the moment to, to cover some of that. When he went up forward on the weekend, he looked dangerous. He did. Yeah, um, he kicked a couple of goals as well. And... I, think he, I think he kicked at least one, uh, maybe two. But he, he definitely looked... I think he's going to be a talent wherever he plays on the field. I just feel like his best position is defence at the moment. Yeah, um, I, th- I worry that this week, especially with Rewalt out, yeah. that he will play forward. I think they they want to have a chance, but um, he, he's just such a... Especially when, if, when Tarrant's probably only got two or three years left, they've picked him up as a... Mm. They wanted to charge for a premiership again this year, which yeah. I can't blame them. Um, but he's he's got to be the next four, you know, four to ten years you know, fullback. Just lock him in. I don't... I see the thing is I don't know enough about Richmond's current list to know who's their next tall forward in because Coleman Jones obviously has gone off Coleman to, Jones and Chole both left in the off season to North Chole's gone as well um, so maybe it is out of necessity not so much yeah. experimentation I mean Lynch is young so he's still got yeah. plenty of years there but yeah with the loss of Rewalt um, and that, that becomes a big thing for clubs that have had a focal target up forward yeah. um, who covers that but it's really funny to see it being the opposite like it, you often see the forward to defender switch which I love Mm-hmm. one of the highlights you look at some of the greats like your Tom Lonergan's and those players move back even Liam Jones moving back was just a phenomenal move and became a near all Australian defender in yeah. a side that barely won a game <laughs> that, that, that first year he was playing <laughs> phenomenal footy like love seeing that um, and it very rarely works the other way um, because yeah. it's, it's just a very different role um, mm-hmm. I think it's if you develop a player as a forward they have more of that mindset of knowing how a forward plays whereas if you develop a player as a backman they just know how to piss off a forward um, and I feel I feel like there's a lot of romance for the old old school swingman. I don't think it works as much as it used to. Um, I know Michael Hurley used to do it quite a bit for Essendon, um, and when it worked, it worked. But every now and then you'd see it happen, and it did nothing. And it was just like, well, it's yeah. not a, it's not a magic get out of jail free card. And it's like how it worked for Geelong with a long time with Harry Taylor. Yeah. And then they stopped doing it after a while because it it, it was no longer a functional yeah. thing. And I'm really glad the Bulldogs have stopped doing it, despite the fact that losing Aaron Norton to the forward line is a shame mm-hmm. uh, for a Defenders podcast. I think it's just so much more stability yes. having him up forward. Um, and, I mean, you can see it at the moment with Oscar Allen. Oscar Allen. Yeah. Um, I think that teams these days find a young player. A swingman is best built from a player who's established, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and you'll find a, a team that's got a young player. You look at Essendon with Nick Cox as well. Um, and try and put them all around the ground because they are talented. You look yeah. at these people who are athletes at 195 to 2 metres tall, which is just incredible. Like it, Those players 10, 20 years ago were lumbering giants who could barely cover the length of a football field <laughs> without falling over, and you look at them now and they're like in ridiculous condition and yeah. can play in the midfield. Um, so it's no wonder they want to play them everywhere because you think, oh, they can fill this deficiency the team has, especially if where they're already strong, you're already strong. If you can get a 200 centimetre wingman who can mark the ball and run like a 188 centimetre wingman, yeah. you take it. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's where you see that happen with those players. But I do think it's detrimental. I think, um, especially with how frantic the modern game is and how well you need to know your role, that when you try and play a player in too many positions, even their role becomes worse by default. Um, mm. and I think Oscar Allen's a great example of that. 
um, once they tried to move him around too much, he wasn't even as good up forward as he was playing. Nick Cox did the same thing. It, it throws you out a bit. You see Mark Blixarves at Geelong will, will play well in the other roles, but never as well as he does. And then when he goes back to fullback, he looks more uncertain. Mm-hmm. I think it's such a stability thing for players like that. And you've got to leave them there. Yeah, and I can understand sometimes out of injury it becomes necessity, but when you're just throwing the magnets around for no reason and you know potentially weakening your defence for for a bit of gain up forward, it's it's usually not worth it. <laughs> and, it and it is funny because time and time again, almost every coach does the whole you know premierships are built for a defence and, and that kind of stuff, and then they'll roll from their own defence to try and build something either in the midfield or yeah. or up forward. Um, running half backs being played as wingman is another one that takes away from a lot of teams. Like, you'll see them, because it obviously is a similar role, just with, you know, less of that rebound. But, and then you wonder why you're not getting that bounce off the, you know, off the back flank or coming at a goal. Um, and it is that part of the, it's, it's the first part you need to build for a yeah. premiership team. You look at when Richmond were at their best. It, obviously, Rance left midway through it, but you looked at that back line with Rance and Grimes and Vlosten and Broad filling that hole ridiculously well. Um, fluking that spot, really, uh, due to injury in the finals and then having a good final series. Three-time premiership player, Nathan Broad. Um, up there, isn't it? Like, all-time all, all three-timers from a plumber who played for Swan Districts <laughs> uh, and decided, maybe I shouldn't go to Bali four times a year to three-time premiership footballer. <laughs> Getting big money deals from the Gold Coast to lure him away from a football club is incredible. Um, but, yeah, it's built there, I think, and you see that with most dynasty teams. Um, Hawthorne yep. had a great backline. Geelong had a great backline. Richmond had a great backline. Brisbane were great everywhere on the ground. That's, yeah. a, that's one that you just... Untouchable. <laughs> that, that, that team was ridiculous. Um, even West Coast back in the day, you had, the, had your Jakovic's and that yep. back there. Um, those teams are hard to beat because if mm-hmm. you can't score against a team, you can't beat them. Exactly. That's why defenders are so vital and so overlooked. Absolutely. Um, I think we did go a bit long on the votes, so we'll probably call that a day for episode one. Um, we will be back for round two, hopefully earlier next week, uh, if one of us doesn't get sick again. Uh, yeah, as sorry, guys. Perth has decided that COVID is real again now. <laughs> um, and there's <laughs> finally thousands of cases, but, uh, and there are football clubs too. We've had a lot of those this week. Yes, it'll be very interesting to see how the Blues go. Top up Without with a coach. <laughs> yeah, no coach is the big one, right? Like, And then it's like, oh, and assistant coaches oh, and, and football yeah. managers. We'll have like four people at the game. See Cade Simpson's coming in as a, I did a temporary see that. coach. Love Defenders, that. love Defenders. to see it. Yeah. Um, but we will uh, see you next week. Yes. Bye, everyone.